This week's episode features Dr. Carly Pippett, who divides her time teaching medical students and as a family medicine physician here in Salt Lake City. Dr. Pippett takes pride in having strong relationships with her patients and providing opportunities for students to pursue their passions, as well as access resilience along the way. Um, so we'll just jump right in, but I think what I'm interested in uh, just to start off is just what influenced your decision to pursue family medicine? Uh, that's a great question. And I think probably the thing I get asked the most by students when they're really thinking about different careers. Uh, I often, especially for third and fourth years, like to tell them that I changed my mind very late. I changed my mind in August of my fourth year, mostly because it makes eyes pop out of heads a little bit like and gives them the stress um, and lets them know that it'll be okay if you change your mind. But I started medical school really thinking I wanted to do emergency medicine. So prior to med school, I worked for two summers in a very small clinic in Idaho that was run by an APC. And so during the week, we essentially functioned as like the medical assistant, bringing patients back, taking vitals, um, running labs. We had our own little lab in the clinic. And then on the weekends, we also functioned as like the front desk person. And then there was a ambulance next to the clinic. And so we got to go out on the ambulance and the nearest hospital was an hour away. So like, I thought, oh yeah, like no brainer, totally going to do emergency medicine. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I hit third year, the thing you're going to hear most family docs say is I loved everything, which was true. I absolutely loved everything that I did. And um, I remember I had a mentor who was an OB-GYN resident who said something to me about, oh, Carly, so what do you, how do you feel about men patients? I was like, well, I feel fine about men patients. Like what a funny question. And then I had this sort of like, well, duh moment. Like if I did OBGYN, I wouldn't see men patients anymore. And that seems like such an obvious statement now in hindsight, but at the time, I don't think I really appreciated how much it just would limit stuff. But the, the thing that I changed from at the last minute was actually neurology. Um, I had a really awesome neurology rotation fairly late in med school in my third year. And I loved the sort of cognitive ability of it. And I didn't really realize it at the time, but I liked the time that they got to spend with their patients and that longitudinal relationship. And I love it. Um, that's like definitely my favorite thing. I don't really take new patients anymore. And so to me, I would tell you that going to clinic is it's kind of like seeing friends now, um, mm. Uh, Curly Parker Jones used to say that uh, the really great thing about an outpatient practice is that if people, if your patients don't necessarily like you, they won't really come back to see you. And so that's why it really does feel like seeing friends. Like you get to know these really intimate and detailed parts of people's lives and help them through some pretty big life changes, which is really an honor and a privilege. Yeah. And it's over time. And I think that that's that's something to pay attention to and that you paid attention to. Um, how did you sort of, so I hear you sort of pulling different things, asking different questions as you were exploring. Um, did you feel internal and external pressures as you were doing that? And how did you navigate that? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think every rotation you're on tries to recruit you. Like I remember uh, one of the chiefs on PEDS saying to me, oh, Carly, you don't want to do family medicine. Like, come on, you want to do pediatrics. And I, I did, right? I mean, I still do. I do pediatrics. Um, and I, I think now thinking about this as a faculty, 
we, you know, I'll often mentor students who want to do family medicine and then will change their mind. And the, the thing I really try to make sure students know is I want you to do the thing that's going to make you happy. And I think that's really important that as a student, you don't feel like you're going to disappoint me if you don't choose family medicine. I mean, am I disappointed? Well, of course I am because I want you to join this field that I love so much. But what's more important to me is that students do what they want to do. So I wouldn't say that I was offended or um, bothered by people trying to sway me. I remember one of the neurologists saying once, like, it was a very clean field, like there's not a lot of body fluids involved. I thought was sort of funny at the time, but I also sort of get that now. Um, so people will try to tell you the little things that they, I don't know, maybe they thought I was interested in that. Maybe I seem squeamish. I wasn't, but uh, I, I try to just really bring it back to the student. So it's it's an interesting question to think about what did I think of as a student? Because I, it's mostly just changed really how I mentor students now that I want you to do what you want to do. And I want to help you try to figure that out. Yeah. Who, can you talk maybe tell a story or two about who supported you just as you sort of, you're a mentor now, but who was kind of mentoring you? That's a really good question. I think a couple people. So I, um, my now husband, we were dating in med school and we got married in fourth year. I think definitely some support there. Uh, between my first and second year of medical school, I ended up doing about six weeks with a family doc in Idaho, which is where I am from. Um, I had actually never met that physician before I worked with her and she, uh, I got connected with her because she was my physics professors from college wife. And that was actually really awesome. She did OB. That was like the first time I had ever had a baby delivered. She took care of patients in clinics. She took care of patients in the nursing home and she took care of patients, um, in the hospital. So she did it all in Idaho. And at one point in the summer, like we were crazy busy and she kind of had a little bit of like a, like, I don't want to say breakdown because that feels a little bit too melodramatic, but had a moment that was like, holy crap, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I remember she looked at me and said something like, don't you think this pace has just been relentless? Well, it's like a first year student who's like, I mean, rising second year who's getting into the clinic. I'm like, yes, yeah, relentless, but like, this is awesome. Like, you know, we're just like going and we're doing and like, this is what I came up here to do. So I didn't really... I didn't really think about life beyond that because this was sort of all I was doing at that point in time. So that was actually good to see, like someone kind of be like, okay, we got to like take a pause, like I'm crushing my own soul. Um, and then I went back and did my third year clerkship with her, which was really awesome to see. And um, so th those are the things I think about as like a mentor. And it, she was, um, her name's Dr. Shields. She's still in practice. And it was kind of nice to have someone who was a who was outside of academia, because I think it gave me a different perspective of what the world could look like to me. Um, and then my actually mentor throughout medical school was an OBGYN resident. So that was kind of cool to be, to have my formal mentor at that time with the program, we had be a resident because she had a very different perspective on like what was going on and um, was never really pushing me to do OB, but always trying to give me opportunities to be involved with stuff. She showed me how to like support someone as a, as a budding physician, not as a budding OBGYN or budding neurologist. And I think that's, um, that actually was pretty huge in showing me like how you can mentor someone 
to do whatever it is they want to do, even if you're not in that same specialty, like it, it doesn't really matter because this experience in med school is pretty similar for most of us as we've gone through it. Yeah, and I've heard that before that sometimes that mentor being in a completely different field or the freedom of that idea makes that relationship all the more sort of key because they I can show up as I am in my indecision and and the pressures or maybe what I'm thinking that person wants me to do they aren't there as directly or or at all and yeah. and that's where exploration can really happen right absolutely i mean and i would say as a faculty probably more of my mentors have actually been outside of family medicine like you said you can show up as you are cuz you're sort of embarrassed to be like I don't actually know how to do this. Like I should totally know how to do this. Right. Um, and it was great to have joined as a faculty with people who taught me. I mean, I think that was really intimidating at first, like, you know, your Dr. Morton's your Dr. Lindsley, your Dr. Ash, who sadly isn't a name that students recognize now, but that was awesome because they knew you. And I will not tell you that I was top of the class at all in the first two years, but that like, as a known quantity, they were like, oh yeah, Carly, like, come on in, like jump on board and like to really show me what academics could be and like how to be involved with students. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important because, you know, as we work with students and if students have come to me, there's the box checking that has to be done. Yep. And it's just sometimes for, you know, new students. And, and I think throughout the process, they, they can really get lost in the box checking. Yeah, it becomes about that box checking and you lose sight of what you're actually trying to accomplish. We talk about that in like clinical quality improvement that it's like, oh, we're improving our attention to nephropathy and diabetes. Yeah, we're just like checking a box to make sure people get a lab done. But can we like take a look back and really think about what does this mean for patients? Yeah, and, and along those lines, you know, I think sometimes there are things that happen very naturally with finding mentors and creating relationships um, but in that context of the box checking mentality become a little more intimidating as if, yeah. oh, well, I'm, I am so immersed in this, this one sort of path that I'm trying to get through that I'm kind of forgetting some of that ability, or I, maybe there's some imposter syndrome there. I'm hearing this relationship theme throughout everything, relationship with patients, relationship with, um, academics and relationships that you created just as you were exploring are there things that have helped you create relationships that um, you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I, I think getting back to that idea of box checking is good that you feel like you might need to find the right mentor for the right thing. And there are some situations where that's probably true, but I would say that's not always the case. Um, and I think a mentorship should be a give and take relationship. And so I try to think about that as both a mentee and a mentor that we need to be a little bit thoughtful about that this isn't just a take, take, take. You don't have to have a friendship necessarily with your mentor, right? I think it's a, you have to figure out what that need is that you're asking from your mentor. And it can be very discreet. And maybe we do this one thing together and you help me complete this. And then that sort of relationship is over. And that's okay. Like this doesn't have to be your mentor for your whole life. And I think that's an important thing to think about with your mentors is that they're probably going to change. Even your relationship with them is going to change. I mean, one of my favorite clinical mentors, I remember one day, like 
I asked him as an attending something about like, oh, can you like, can you come look at this rash with me or something? And he was like, oh, come on, did we teach you nothing in, in residency, right? Like totally teasing me. And then like two weeks later, he was like, hey, Carly, come look at this rash. And I was like, you want me to look at this rash? Like, are you, are you sure? You know, like I just finished residency and you've been like doing this thing for like 20 years. Like what makes you think that I have something to contribute? Um, so maybe it's a bit of that humility to me that's been really important in relationships. And I think like a true, like commitment to the moment of whatever you're doing, right? So just like in a patient encounter, like I am there, you are like, I try to make sure patients feel like you're the only person in the room right now. I am listening to whatever you need and we're coming up with a plan together. Um, and so I would say I tried to do that with either being a mentor or a mentee. Like I am fully committed to this moment. I think especially in this day and age when there's so many things competing to try to like get our attention to really be present in that moment. Um, and I don't I mean, I think that I care about the relationship speaks to why I went into family medicine in the first place. Yeah, I appreciate the idea that this can be much more basic than students are making it out to be. Oh yes. And knowing that someone in your position who want, you know, who really wants to mentor people and can set a boundary or say, hey, I'm busy right now if you need to. But I, I think sometimes it just gets blown up to be, oh, I need to maybe know them more. I need to, it needs to be a linear process. I need to, you know, this doesn't necessarily align with what I'm thinking I'm going to specialize in. So maybe I won't pursue that. And then um, the idea that you know, there's often connections lead to other connections. And you'll get to know people through time. I think that's an important yeah. thing to consider too. Like maybe the mentorship is only six months, but just like in a clinical encounter, like I'm not going to get to know every single thing about you in six months. Like it's going to happen over time. And that's an important thing to consider too. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, um, I would like to talk about how you got into teaching and just what experiences sort of opened that door to you. When I, so my husband is, uh, he did his residency in MedPed. So he had another year of residency. And so I was looking for a job. Um, and that was actually when the, you know, quote, new curriculum started was when I became faculty. So I have often said like my timing was fortuitous and they were looking for people to develop their new clinical methods curriculum at the time that was just in foundations of medicine. So that's how things got started for me. And that's again, where I would say, having been here was really helpful as a student because I knew the faculty, I knew sort of a sense of what the curriculum was. And I think as a new faculty too, I was sort of excited. Like if you had said to me now, like, hey, you need to create a curriculum for the next 17 weeks of four hours every week. And it starts in two weeks, go. I think if you asked me that now, I'd be like, now I'm good. I'm just going to go. I'm going to like add a day in clinic or two. But at the time it was like, yeah, totally. Like, let's do this. I'm ready to really like jump in. So it was really good timing. Cause I think I was really excited as a new attending. Um, and then things just sort of evolved with time in academics. Uh, like I was thinking about when I started as faculty, I was probably like 70% clinical. So like the majority of my time was really spent in clinic. And at that time I was actually in clinic more than any of my other partners, which was good. And I actually think it's important as you start a career, like 
most of us really went into medicine to be a doctor. That's actually what we started to do. And then over time, like, especially if you're good at stuff, you get asked to do all these other things. And the thing that often suffers is your clinic, right? Because it's like, oh, well, I can just cut back on that. Oh, I can just cut back on that. And one of my mentors early on, um, who was uh, my residency director, and then later my colleague was like, you know, I will never go less than this certain amount clinical, because I just don't feel like I can be a good doctor anymore. I'm not really available to my patients. And I was like, yeah, that's a really good point. And so that's been really important for me as I've progressed to put sort of a hard stop on like, no, this is the piece that I'm not going to take any more away of. Yeah. I think it's so helpful for students to play that out, being that as a student, they can't necessarily have the vantage point that you have. But in hearing this from you, there's a way to mentally sort of play this out. You know, how does this fit into how I want my life to be 10 years down the road or whatever. I guess I would just want to hear, hear you talk about that a little bit more, just how in your career you expressed a lot of enthusiasm and exuberance and took on really big things. And I think now you've had some wisdom around like burnout too, and sort of merging those ideas of, of doing big, great things. And also like, wait a minute, I, I'm also human and I, I'm running a marathon. Uh, I, I think for me, probably one of the biggest ways that I, I think it's being aware of like, it's kind of like, if you think you're going to get angry or like, right, like sort of what are those like warning signs along the way before, you know, you're going to like sort of blow your top. Um, and for me, it's usually when I just start to get a little bit more irritable. Um, that for me has become a big gut check. And that's come from like friends and colleagues who sometimes have teased and been like, it sounds like Dr. Pivot needs to go on vacation. And that's been a really good thing to hear. The first couple of times it was a little hard, but then I was like, holy crap, you're totally right. Like I do, I am just very like angry. Um, one of my mentors has always said that when you finish your vacation, you need to start planning your next one. And I think that's really important because I do think we need to, we need to plan time away. And I think the other piece that's helped me with burnout is just, which may seem counterintuitive, but is that I do so many different things that actually for me is nice. Cause I feel like it's not this like same old thing day in and day out. Yeah. You know, having that conversation, I think early and, and often of, you know, what, how am I setting up my life so that, so that I can um, take care of myself long-term. Absolutely. You, you really can't sprint that long. We all will sprint. There's, you know, you can't take that out of the equation, but is there time to recover? And is, are there things we can do longitudinally that help us? Yeah. Prevent? I, I think we build some of that into medical school, right? Like, okay, so I know like these two years I'm in class and then I have to get through this test. And then I know like third year is going to be like a sprint in these different ways. Right. And then fourth year is going to be better. And then residency. So you, you have these natural highs and lows. And I think that's actually pretty predictive of what most people's careers are going to be like too. You're probably going to have times where things are more busy versus less busy. And so how do you, okay, I have this busy time coming up like this week, I knew it was going to be really busy in clinic. Okay. So I'm like sort of prepped ready. And then maybe I can plan a little bit on the back end. They're like, oh, those, like that paper I'm working on writing or this other thing. Like, no, I'm going to push that to a lighter week. Um, I often tell faculty that I mentor that their expectations of themselves are much higher than my expectations are of them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just need to give like 70 to 80%. 
And I was like, okay, well, that's really hard. Cause I think as a student, you felt for so long, like I, not only do I have to give hundred percent, like I got to give like 110%, like all the time, but you're going to have off days, right? Like you're going to have days where that doesn't work and that's okay. And truthfully, like often the faculty's expectation of you is probably lower than where you are. Not always, but most of the time it is. Yeah. Uh, for this, um, the student that's going to be listening to this, likely a incoming first year or second year who is feeling extremely overwhelmed and being way too hard on themselves. And um, maybe you have some parting thoughts to, to say just to that student who's, you know, wanting to listen right now to hear something. I think of what my mom still says to me, uh, even as an adult, which is be nice. And it's really like, be nice and be kind to yourself, right? And be honest about what it is that's going on to the people who care and are around you. And I would say, yeah, often when I have, when I do get the opportunity to sit down with a first or second year and really have a conversation, yeah, they are like torturing themselves. And I always ask, like as a course director, when we're talking about as someone who's struggling or anything like that, I, it, this goes to like, again, what I like to know is like, what are people's lives, right? Like what else is going on in your world? Like, what are you doing for you? And sometimes I even have to say, what are you doing that is selfishly for you? Because sometimes we'll come up with something that's not really for them at all. Or like, oh, I, you know, I can't even think of a good example of something where I'm like, well, that, that's not really for you, but nice try. Right? And I've told some people like, no, maybe you just need to put a thing on your calendar. That's like, this is just me time. But really try to take a step back and figure out where can I give 80% and still be okay? I often tell students P equals MD and like gesture to myself. And I'm like, yeah, P equals MD. Like, it's okay. No patient has ever asked me like, what was my board score? Did I pass all my courses in the first two years? Secret answer, no, I did not. Um, and that's okay. And I think those aren't things that I like put on a billboard and advertise, but I think is really good for students to hear from someone who they think like, looks like they have it all together, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe I've got you fooled like most times, like 80% of the time, I've probably got it all together, but not always. And that's okay, right? Like, cause we are still human and that's going to happen. And you need to give yourself that grace and compassion because just being hard on yourself, like it just leads to this like downward spiral that can only make stuff worse. Yeah. So true. Like seeing you as a human, seeing me as a human and as someone who can be vulnerable I, I think sometimes as faculty, especially when I first started, I didn't want to show that at all because I already felt vulnerable enough that I didn't need to expose any more of myself. And now I, I don't know, I have no shame or I'm not as worried about it or like, no, I think it's really important for you to see that I am a human. And, you know, I remember having a really bad interaction um, with a patient that I knew was going to be bad, like mm -hmm. very much ended the encounter in tears. This is where video visits are a lovely thing because the person said goodbye. And I was like, goodbye, <laughs> just hit the button and sort of end and didn't have to do the walk out of the room. And like, because we're all sort of like around each other. My colleagues all looked around me and were like, that sounded really terrible. And I was like, yeah, thanks. And like cried for a minute just from the emotionalness of it all. And I went up afterwards and said to my MA and my student who was with me, I said, so I just need to let you know, that was a really stressful encounter. 
I think I have myself pulled together. If I seem a little emotional, like I did just sort of finish crying. Um, so I, I just want to let you guys know that like, I don't need anything from you. I just like, I don't need like extra love and support necessarily. Just like, I just want you to know because you care about me and I care about you. Um, and I don't think that 10 years ago, I would have said that to a student. I don't think that I would have like sort of shown that. And I remember the student just like mouth agape, like, you know, like couldn't believe that that actually happened. And I, I don't like to sort of show the, the dark side of medicine to people, but I think it's really important to see it, to see how we cope with it, to see the support of the people that you have around you. Cause it, right. Like we see people in not their best times of life. And I'm not going to say that I think we should get yelled at at all because I don't think that we should. I think I'd like to think that patients can be more kind, but most of that is not directed at us, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, I would say 99% of the time, it's not about us. It's whatever else is going on, but there's those times where it really does sort of hit you. And so how do we, how do you get through those and actually come out better on the other side and be okay, right? That sometimes I can walk away from it and it doesn't bother me at all like whatever that rough comment was. And then sometimes it really does just sort of stick with me and I have to think differently and I have to pull out my drawer of nice cards from students and patients and kind of like read through a couple of those <laughs> to make myself feel better. I really have one of those. It's a really good thing to do. Yeah, I have one too. And I think uh, it's kind of coming full circle because we started this conversation with you um, being mentored by someone in clinic who said to you, hey, this this is a exceptionally hard day, was willing to be real. Yeah. Now you are also willing to be real. And um, yeah, I think that that's a great thing. And, and to show up as yourself and to be vulnerable and open, however hard that may be, is, is such important work. Mm -hmm.